Welcome to Crude. I'm here in Berlin and I'm joined in the studio by Misty and Frank and Becca, who I know from a long time ago. So it's really nice to see you again. Nice to be here. And we're joined from London by Effie, who is plucking her eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) You're on film. We see you. Yeah, I'm just doing my makeup. Don't mind me. That's the city life in London, just hustling. Yeah, it's popping off. (laughs) And yeah, today we're going to talk about sexual learning. Um, So we have Becca, who's a somatic body worker. And we're going to be talking about this whole concept of is sex a skill that you can learn? It's often taken to be this thing that you just do, this very instinctual thing, which maybe goes back to also as sex in some ways becomes more socially acceptable, then you have this proliferation, especially in Berlin, of workshops and things you can do and conscious sex. And yeah, let's try to use this hour and make sense of that a little bit. Yeah, maybe Becca, have you? Can you talk a little bit about the kind of works that you do in terms of workshops and things like this? How you see this idea of is sexual intelligence something that you learn? How important is that? Yeah, I mean, I work one on one with people, and I also give workshops on intimacy and touch and massage because I was working um, back in the day for many years as a tantra masseuse. Mm, and now I studied something called sexological bodywork and there's an institute here in Berlin that is teaching that and I don't know I guess it came like the reasons that I wanted to start doing it for myself was just that I found it utterly fascinating I think there are some people for whom they like they have sex and then they go and eat a sandwich and then they get on with their day (laughs) and that's it you know and for other people they just want to be able to have sex in the privacy of their own home with other consenting adults doing it in whatever way they want to do it but just not have bother from outside and there are some people for whom it's like either an, a niggle like something that they can't quite figure out or it's just a fascination and I guess like I ich gehöre zu I love this German phrase I'm, I belong to that that last uh, section so it was always something that was really interesting to me and that's very helpful in my field of work because what I ends up happening is that people come to me with everything from you know crazy stories that they don't know what to do with or difficulties that they want to help working through I mean a lot of it is just like they want to feel more I feel mm. like numbness of people not being able to like sense literally physically sense um, or feel pleasure so actually what you're doing right now is giving these like sexological body work sessions yeah I mean I should say I'm still in the training I'm still in the certification mm. phase I get the certificate maybe in one or two months for this but it's based on somatics which is look into the body what is it telling you mm. I mean that's like a massive oversimplification <laughs> that's the the basis and we talk and we also I I am able to also to do body work so whereas a therapist would only be able to talk to you and a masseuse might not do any talking to you I kind of reside somewhere in the the middle of those two areas so okay well I didn't know that talking was I mean that much talking was part of the sexological body work I, I thought that was still mainly touching but maybe actually you can quickly describe what one session like roughly looks like oh no I mean the whole thing is about staying in communication with somebody because I don't know maybe other sexological body workers would talk about it a little bit differently but uh, trying to 
connect to someone's conscious mind whilst they're going into areas of their psyche which are perhaps not so consciously explored or not explored in a way with, where they maintain connection with the parts of themselves that they use on a day-to-day basis and and staying with that whilst you go through feelings of discomfort or feelings of pleasure or feelings of mm-hmm. so you meant to verbalize them whilst you go I ask questions right. sometimes people don't want to answer and sometimes people can't answer but I I keep asking I keep trying to communicate with somebody okay. whilst we're going through a bodywork session yeah have you ever found it that it's turned into a little bit like role play that you re- you recognize that that particular person needs to <laughs> you know become someone else have you ever does that come into play it ha- it hasn't and it doesn't in the sexological bodywork sessions that i do but this just like two weekends ago i actually went to the Stockholm Scenario Festival, this live action role play festival, which is specifically, it's so interesting. And I'm really, I'm hyped about it because it was my first experience of the whole role play scene. But these these two things are very separate. And what Mm -hmm. happens often within the sexological bodywork sessions is people get very close into areas of themselves that they're not so used to coming up against and so maybe that's a different role inside of themselves that they weren't kind of familiar with and then people my voice just did it as well like people kind of drop I wouldn't say it's a similar experience to playing BDSM with somebody or role playing I was more thinking about you know when you do some kind of therapy and then you speak to your your younger version of yourself Mm -hmm. or you speak the voice of the voice you wish you had you know, but you were un- unable to speak up, you know, does that, do people have those kind of revelations with you? Oh, I, I mean, the only thing, the thing that I can re- relate to from what you're talking about is something called internal family systems, which is a, um, a theory or a system invented by a guy called Richard Schwartz. And that is something that people play with within sexological bodywork, whereby, the, I mean, the theory goes that you're kind of split up into all of these different roles inside of your head so you've got a protector and you've got like you're in a child doing some work and you've you've got loads of different people creatures roles inside of you and they eat they each have a, a particular function and you can go around and like have a conversation with each each one of them to figure out why they are doing what they're doing and what what um function they serve and this can be really interesting to to look at within sexuality because there's um, parts of us that are a little bit more opaque and kind of difficult to understand. And often, I mean, in the IFS, internal family systems model, that's parts that haven't been integrated yet or that are that you don't often talk to if you use that kind of metaphor. So that does happen. But I, I don't know, I wouldn't say that's something that I directly often work with. This just for me brings up in one of my relationships after I think I was processing some trauma from work. And then I found that it was difficult to navigate that with my partner. So for instance, like telling them, okay, when you do this, it's, it's, get, it's, it's making my nervous system react. Mm. So how to educate somebody about how to kind of be in try to be more in tune with each other from even though I've done sex work and spent I think that's very different because I think 
in kind of an escorting frame of sex work, you're more giving somebody an experience that right. they want right. rather than really tuning into somebody or coaching somebody. Sometimes it goes towards that way, especially if, if a client is really interested in that. I've had clients come to me and say, you know, they want me to teach them how to be better lovers, whatever they think mm -hmm. that means. Sometimes you're like, okay, you really want to know and you really want feedback. And sometimes you're like, no, you just want me to tell you you're great. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a very different thing. And so for me, for many years, I think I didn't really, I was just like, all of this kind of was just brushing off of me. And then I think I'd been doing sex work for over a decade and then was like, wow, I'm really out of touch with my body actually and what I need and what I want. And trying to communicate that to my partner, I found that the more that I tried to say, tried to verbalize what I needed and what I wanted, especially if I was coming from work and having this very these very intense physical experiences, mm. the more that made them kind of close off because it was like, oh, well, I can't, because for them, sexuality was something that should just be felt. And so the more I had input into like, mm. no, this feeling isn't good for me. Can we try this? The more I felt they became really hyper analytical in their mind mm -hmm. about it and that just kind of killed everything mm -hmm. so i'm wondering what your take on that i think this might be. is such this is such a human like experience mm. and i and it's also something that i, I really talk about with people in, in sexological bodywork sessions it's such a human experience to just be like well i just want you to know how it works and actually what back in the day when i was doing a uh, tantra massage i remember this one one client who we had a session and he he didn't have an orgasm i mean this is also part of of tantra massage that um it doesn't necessarily lead to a particular end but he definitely wanted right <laughs> that was what that was his desire and he looked at me afterwards and he was super angry <laughs> looked so pissed and he turned to me and he was like but you're supposed to know how this works like this. <laughs> sure, he took it. and and well and he was so uh, he was gesticulating towards his genitalia in kind of like an unconscious way as if i'm I'm supposed to subconscious I'm supposed mm. to like instinctively know exactly what's going on inside of his mind and how that should manifest and be represented and how sorry how I should then work with that on the outside mm. and I think it's it's so human to in my experience it's so human to want that but it's just not how things work and the first stage is exactly what you did, which is super brave, which is to try and start a conversation mm. and communicate with somebody about what you need, what you experience, how you could imagine for your for your partner or the person that you're with to provide that for you. I mean, actually, in that sense, you, you're giving him everything on a plate, but whether somebody is actually able to take that, internalize it, deal with that, because it's often sex is often something that we're not taught to talk about in this in this in the way that you guys talk about it on this podcast which mm. is part of the reason that i came on because i think it's fantastic what you do it's it's extremely difficult i found that i was coming up against this thing when i would say this is not what i need that that then he would hear that as i'm not doing it right yeah you're wrong exactly yeah yeah which mm -hmm. was not yeah, I, I found that a big wall. I still find it a big wall to kind of get across because it's sort of, no, I'm just saying this is, even if it's like I'm freezing right now because I've had, I don't know, a difficult week at work, it's mm. not something you're doing wrong. I'm trying to communicate needs 
and mm-hmm. yeah, I find it yeah that it, that people feel that okay, if I'm if it's not working naturally, mm. then I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Actually, can we take a step back for a second because you mentioned tantra massages now and sexological body work? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could quickly just I don't know highlo- highlight the main differences because I know I think it's a, it's at least what people think tantra massages are doing more namely teaching them how to be better lovers or how to have better sex like it's it's much more clearly related i thought to your private sex life when you go to have a tantra massage whereas for sexual sexological body work i thought i mean i don't i don't know actually i had no idea about what it was before mm-hmm. uh, and you would come on the podcast and i did some research so maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe some people are like me no yeah it's a super good question and actually it's really important not to mix the two up because especially right now in germany the sexological body work does not exist underneath the frame of sex work and tantra massage does exist underneath the frame of sex work therefore you need like different legal statuses in order to perform the two activities so it's really actually important that you separate the two and what i really like about sexological body work and actually perhaps it comes back to the previous question but maybe we see is that it has a super clear frame And the frame uh, is actually on the Sexological Body Work website, whereby there's like a code of ethics. And it's things like a sexological body worker doesn't have a romantic or a sexual relationship with any client for two years after the um, sessions with that client has finished. Oh, wow. That's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I but that's good though, right? It's it's actually it's just super interesting because basically what sexological body work does is enables you to take your sexuality and your intimacy issues and your relationship issues and put them in these kind of like oh, what do you call that in a, in a chemistry lab? You have these t- in these test tubes, mm. like totally away from everything else that you would be doing in in your life or the ways that you might encounter intimacy and pleasure in your life, and it it removes. Um, that and it puts it in a very specific frame so that you can explore it in this perhaps what a, a more I don't know a simpler way for your psyche rather than trying to figure out within a relationship where there's all of these other aspects to it which might confuse you like you you know you might have like a partner uh, um, a, a child with this person you are relying upon this person for whatever you have a some kind of a, a commitment to this person so you have a, a, a marriage or an agreement and then you've got all of these other parts that play into how important it is for you to experience fulfilling or good quote-unquote sex yeah and so what sexological bodywork um, permits people is to take that outside of that frame and explore it I guess I find it so interesting because I was talking to a friend who just did a mushroom retreat in Mexico and it's sort of a similar kind of thing where it's like in a way taking this (laughs) no for example say psychedelics may have been embedded in a lot of human relationships for a long time but I think it is very quote unquote of this time to me and I think that goes into the topic of the podcast in that it is this very Berlin this sort of way of viewing sex where probably for a lot of people sex is so ingrained into various aspects of life and I think coming from somebody who's done more like general sex work where I do a lot of that but it can't be distilled in that way there's this there's this thread to me from Mm. this sort of mushroom retreat to where we're going to take a lot of these transformative potentials that can transform you as a person and like 
isolate them from everything else and put them in this one space, you know? Absolutely. Which I think can have a lot of pluses, but it's also framed in a certain way. I always really struggle with that. I've walked out of every single... (laughs) (laughs) I've tried, I've tried to go to, you know, because I'm like, I've worked with sex in my body for so many years that I really need something. And then every time I try to go to something, I'm like, no, too much eye contact is demanded of me. I can't do this. I walk out. Sounds to me... There's a blocker there. There's a huge block for me, even though sex is such a big part of my life and in a way that I am very analytical, I still end up in these contexts and I'm like, no, 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 I can't do it. But I think there's something interesting to me about this kind of, in a way it's a medicalization and I see it parallel in the psychedelics and in sex somehow of taking it here and like workshopping it here, extracting everything. Exactly. Which I think can have a super potent value. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see it in that. And just to complete, like, so the the rest of the frame, just so that you understand exactly how kind of removed it is, like whenever there is any kind of intimate touch, the sexological body worker, the practitioner will be wearing um, gloves. We always stay clothed. Like with Tantra massage, the the tradition and yeah. bearing in mind, it's, it's not a tradition, it's from the, ni- it's 1979. It's, it's in Berlin it's too, Berlin. right? It's Berlin. Really? Tantra yes. massage is from Berlin. Berlin born. It's, it, both parties are naked during yeah. during yeah. the Tantra massage and that's just not the case in sexological body work. So somebody can be completely exploring their own pleasure but the practitioner is always separate and closed and so the person is really having the experience for themselves which is ostensibly also what tantra massage is offering because it's not um, involving two-way touch so they always you're always talking about like this is an experience for you you're you're not it's not a a two-way massage so you're not worried about like my pleasure or you're not actively engaging me that that would happen with tantra massages because i thought you would have that in tantra workshops for example where then you have like sessions with two people or more well i mean if the if the workshop is about tantric sex then maybe that would be part of it mm, okay but if the workshop is about tantra massage a la berlin a la andro a la diamond <laughs> lotus which is the place in berlin where okay the center in berlin where he which he established after he made that up, made up the um, modality right. um <laughs> for me it's really interesting because in a way you're like oh wow this sounds so ritualistic and extracted But then in another way, I I think a lot about how sex work as like the internet has evolved and it's much more about this girlfriend experience and uh, selling this idea of authenticity in the interaction that actually paying for this encounter that's kind of in a way more extracted from like the idea of the authentic and is in this ritualistic frame. I mean, it definitely must provide for the professional something which is more recognized which in, in, in traditional kind of, or, or not even traditional, but the sex work that I've done is much more confused, mm-hmm. you know, because you're pretending to be a girlfriend, you're pretending to like tell a guy that he's great, all of this kind of stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just find the, I find the framing super interesting. I just like, I feel like with the body, body work and it can be very indiv- individual. So if someone came in, came in to see you and they did all this body work and they, they had all these revelations and, you know, they became one with themselves, what then happens when they go to, for example, their partner and they've got all this, like, you know, wisdom and they want to share it with, but that partner is, is not on the same level. And I say that because I've kind of experienced this where I felt like the person that I'm with is doing all these things and moving around and trying to get me in and I just... 
I couldn't really get in. It's almost like trying to meditate at the same time. <laughs> and so I just find it like it's so great. I've done that. I've been in situations where I felt completely fulfilled and in my body and ready to face the world and I know who I am. But then trying to relay that to someone else and get them in and share that with them is are, in my opinion, a little bit impossible. Like, yeah, I, had my, I guess my question is, like, how can you help people take what they've learned in the workshop, for example, and share that with someone else? Like, is it possible? My, my first question that comes out of that is, isn't that always the case? Like, you're two different people yes. combining, yes, right? Sure. So that's the exciting part of it, that one of you is works one way and one of you works the other way. And like, oh, God, what happens when we actually put ourselves together but at the same time I hear this or at least my my reinterpretation of what you're saying is I function differently to you or I know some I I understand something about myself that you don't understand about me yet and then I guess the thing that I would encourage in that moment would just would be to purely stay in this state of curiosity for both partners as long as you're both curious and interested I think as soon as you start to lose interest or you can't be bothered which can be a part of you that's just defensive if if you're scared then you know some people will react towards apathy some people react with anger this thing this idea of um I think it was coming from what you were saying, Elle. Um, this idea of like discomfort. I was having trauma from work and basically freezing and then trying to communicate, okay, after I've been working, take care in just moving me, for instance. This kind of thing. Like I, I don't, res- maybe in other moments, you can just throw me on the bed. But if I've been working a lot and I'm like, I, I feel my body's been moved in ways that I don't want, then I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I find with some partners, that's been a super easy thing to integrate. I had a partner years ago who would just tickle me when I finished working. And this was like the most <laughs> therapeutic and beautiful thing because I didn't have to worry about how what I was doing. And it was just my whole nervous system would relax. But then I found that sometimes in the in this instance that I'm thinking very hard to communicate because then it makes the other person like oh now I can't do this now I can't do this and very hyper very over analytical about Mm. what they're doing yeah and I I mean I don't know about this particular situation because it seems very both sensitive and nuanced and also extremely specific Mm. (laughs) like I haven't had any clients who have come to me (laughs) with that particular case but again I would think about this this curiosity like your partner was he they, they yeah. were they able to to stay in a space of of curiosity about it or was purely the fact that you were trying to inform them how or how to do something or not to do yeah. something that kind of that thing. shut everything down exactly it yeah. triggered its own process inside of them and then you're in a whole different space yeah. very different I think the curiosity thing is really useful to, to think about as like a premise for starting on these things because mm. it goes it takes you away from this whole performance aspect that governs a lot of thinking around sex right that like oh because you're not comfortable it means I'm not doing it right curiosity just keeps it in a more playful more inquiring mode yeah less ranking I love that I had because I had this experience where one of my partners was really doing this whole like primal body thing and I was enjoying seeing that but I was nervous that he wanted me to get involved and I wasn't quite sure how to so but I did step back and just like watch and I tried to get in a few times and then eventually I realized he's doing his thing and he's enjoying it and I do remember being curious about it but also feeling a little bit like 
shit, should I be on the same level? But what did he do specifically? What's this primal thing? Just getting in his body and like making noises and like, you know, this really beautiful kind of internal thing that he was doing, getting in touch with himself. And I was just there like kind of getting involved in not, and also not. <laughs> <laughs> Joining in from time to time in the noise. I have no idea what to do in that situation. <laughs> I love to imagine you there, Frank. Send me a voice note the yeah. next day, like, I don't know, Elle. <laughs> I'd be like, Elle, get me out of here. And this is exactly why I do the work that I do and why I love doing the work that I've done in the past because it's just, there is so much weird stuff out there. And this, I came across this book uh, more recently, um, Sexuality Beyond Consent, which I could just recommend for every human being to read. It's really academic, but it's, it's such a fantastic book. And in this book, um, the author talks about the, uses the word opacity when mm -hmm. referring to sexuality. And opacity means like, something that you can't quite see and for me it's also something that you can't quite understand to accompany someone or to be with someone even if it's a space where you you don't like they're like mm. asking you to make horse noises or they're making horse no like you know whatever whatever the thing is you know it's 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 kind of almost unspeakable and that's exactly the area that I want to be in that's it and, and that's exactly the area that sexuality resides in because it's like really what the fuck are we doing there <laughs> no and I love the moments I just had this a couple of days ago with someone that <laughs> uh, he was gonna lick my ass and then we do like fart on each other a lot so I was like okay I'm just gonna fart now but it was I didn't don't think I really thought it through it was more just like I was sort of shifting so he could lick my ass and then rather than hold it in as I might for some people I like <laughs> that's beautiful but no but then and he he, he was he was like gassed he choked he was choking he like sat and for a while I was, in a good way what do no, you know in a really bad oh. it was like dangerous <laughs> and then I kind of sat up and at first I was cracking up because he just like fell he was coughing heaving he was literally <laughs> breathing in the moment you farted into his lungs basically yeah fully and he was heaving and then I was like oh my god first I was laughing because I thought he was just being dramatic but then you know this moment where you realize like no this person is in wow. actual pain Did you think he's got pink eye now no he doesn't no I've seen him since thank god I don't want not another casualty do you, do you know about the letters from James Joyce about farting on one of the retreats that I did because we were doing like a exploration through the senses we did like an auditory exploration and I read uh, I read out loud one of these letters from James Joyce where he's just he's waxing lyrical which is like romanticizing about about her, her farts, farts. <laughs> and how he's just in love with this mm. and this is, just makes her the oh. most perfect woman in the world for him but I do do this with this person which is why I thought like oh I can just I just don't think I realized how close he was and then you found a boundary yeah yeah um, I wanted to mention something um, about this this experience I was talking to the partner of the same person who was doing the primal play and we were discussing it and um, I told her about how I felt like I wasn't really involved but I was like kind of leaning back and watching and she said that they've talked about it that the, the couple have talked about it and she described it in such a wonderful way about being in two bubbles and if you want to have the same shared experience and your bubbles can like intertwine and you can be in but then it's okay to like have your own bubble and let that other person have their own bubble. Mm, right. And so you can have your individual experience in your own bubble and give each other space and then come back in and out. And when she explained that to me, I thought, yeah, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to be always on the same level. Right. Sometimes you connect and that those moments are 
indescribable when you're both there and it's almost like when you take acid and you can with the same person you can see the same visuals Mm -hmm. it's beautiful but you know with when it happens it's great but it doesn't always have to happen and it doesn't mean that you have a less of experience it's lovely to see someone doing that with their body Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take away but you have to let them do it and not make them about yourself and i think that goes back to al's question about your partner they made it about themselves a bit. Well, no, I mean, I think it's a little bit like when you talk about that example, I think it's a little bit like it reminds me of just inhaling and exhaling. Like you need to inhale at times and you need to exhale at times. And those two things don't necessarily, can't necessarily happen at the same time. So there are times when you can have these, I don't know what you described with um, taking acid, like these transcendent moments of connection. And there are times when you're on your own or in company but not necessarily in communion with a partner. And I think what what Elle was describing, or at least what I imagine can be difficult, is when your desire is to be in communion, but you are but in company. And and then what do you do? How, how do, do you, you bridge that? How do you, yeah, what do you do in those moments? How do you work with that? Because I think that it, it's a very base, for some of us, very natural human drive to want to not be lonely. And in those moments, I, I imagine that perhaps behind that, behind this desire to be understood by your partner, behind this desire to function through whatever you had been experiencing outside of that room, was perhaps a desire to be understood, to be seen, to be to not be I, think, I don't know. I think there's sometimes a desire to be held. Yeah, to be, uh, to be understood and to be held. Which I think, for me, I guess I wonder about this, and maybe if if we're we're sort of working with sexuality, it's more we're more we're training that as an intelligence in a way, mm. of like how to somebody comes in the door. Okay, I need to figure out how to make this person feel this in the next hour or a couple of hours, and figure out what it is they're looking for, because often people don't know whether it's for sexological body work or for escorting or whatever it is to try to figure out what they need and how to give it to them which is physical cues it's all of this kind of things I think that you train and so I guess it makes me wonder about how to as there's not maybe which is what this mutual friend of ours does like how do you communicate how to train that kind of intelligence is it something that can be learned I've definitely been with people where I'm like this person just has it like I can't even speak to this person (laughs) but they just get these physical maybe in a way that somebody might get dancing they just can be very subjective but I still think is there such a thing as sexual intelligence that Mm. can be trained yeah and can you teach sex I mean you you mentioned uh, I think both of you actually mentioned like this idea of like becoming a better lover and uh, one of the organizations that I work for is a group called Lumen Dark and that's the people with whom we give the um we give the I give the retreat once a year in Spain, and they actually have a workshop which is tongue in cheek called "How to Become a Better Lover." Because I feel like that's what a lot of people are in the workshop retreat scene are selling nowadays, and it's also a desire. Like people really want to understand, like how the fuck does this work? What's going on? How can I enjoy this more? And how can I help the people that I'm with enjoy this more? I think it's like it's a very current topic. And the photograph for this, uh, for the advertising for this workshop is uh, is my friend, the, the owner of the organization, like standing with one leg up on this kind of like hotel bed in this, I think he's got like a sequined suit 
on because it's for us it's for me and for me as well it's it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek this idea that somebody else can teach you that mm. I and and then I'm kind of like shooting myself in the foot with regards to my own work <laughs> who is it that says what is good sex and what is bad sex who is it that says that somebody who is really you know embodied and I don't know smooth and experiencing their body in this particular way has a has better sex than somebody who is I don't know less able to move their body or who explores sexuality on their own in their mind at home you know they, it's it's also a, about this definition of sex and sexual expression like but even if sex is not like defined in an objective way so this you know on a, on a spectrum basically of good and bad sex but basically an, um, an intrapersonal comparison of you know now I have better sex mm-hmm. for example after a sexological sexological body work therapy session session <laughs> would it be one or multiple it's really good to think of it as a process because the whole thing is super slow okay and that would be the other thing that i would say to like when you're trying to communicate with someone or when you're trying to like uh get involved with somebody else's primal play situation like just to slow slow yourself down yeah so that you're actually kind of sensing and feeling what's going on so some people come to you through some process have like some sort of sexual problem either with themselves with their partners whatever Mm -hmm. and you've gone through some process with them and then they've come back to you and be like well in fact it's actually better now I've become a better lover, either to myself or to the other person. Has this happened? Well, and because I'm still in the certification phase, I'm actually right at the beginning of my sexological bodywork journey, and mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to be working with it as it as it moves forward in the future. But I would say that that has happened to me way back in the day when I okay. when I started doing tantra massage. Mm-hmm. There was a guy um, that used to come to me. And he started to like introduce these like BDSM elements that he just wanted to explore. And this isn't this doesn't normally happen within um, tantric sessions. A lot of people don't uh, diversify, but I was able to in the studio that I was working at. So I did. I was just supportive. I was just listening to him. I was curious, and I was supportive of the mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. that he came with. I mean, I didn't do it. Or, half of the things that he wanted to do but I you know I one time I wrapped him up in cling film for example like I was like yeah I can wrap you up in cling film that's (laughs) that's fine we can try that out and I don't know I think he came for me for about two came to me for about two years oh wow and afterwards I remember he messaged me I don't know some months after I'd finished and asking me to to meet in person and then I met him in the center of town uh, this was not even in Germany, this was in a different uh, city. And he was just like, he was so ecstatic about the the way that he had then been able to develop and the mm-hmm. and the way that, the, the, the change in the way that he experienced sexuality purely from having somebody who wasn't gonna, perhaps, I think perhaps he'd had people that reacted badly, negatively mm-hmm. to his ideas. Cling film. It's <laughs> How many of the people you see would are in long-term relationships and how many are just people who come to you for the thing that you offer itself? Yeah, I, I think most people that come for sexological bodywork sessions actually at the moment are people in long-term relationships, yeah. And then again, I, I suppose that's an interesting, it's an interesting question because then that would also be a little bit of a distinction between the tantra massage and perhaps also between sex work, I don't know, and with sexological bodywork because... Uh, sexological bodywork it seems to be that people want to learn something about themselves 
and with the tantra massage and I don't know whether it is also with the sex work with like escorting people want an experience I think it overlaps I always used to say as kind of a joke that I think yeah and not to get super binary on it again but that a lot of women who go to therapy should actually just go get banged <laughs> and like a lot of men who come to see sex workers actually should go to therapy so it's complex because which was comes back to what I said before that I feel that what I what I was doing in just kind of this more like traditional prostitution was a lot of at the time therapy but because it was in this like guise of being oh I'm just paying for sex then people would feel comfortable in seeking it out so mm. I definitely had clients who were, you know, oh, I just want to have a, I'm on a business trip and I just want to fuck and I just want to experience. But then I had other people who were like, I want to know how to please my partner. So it was a big umbrella, which I think was why I'm interested in the distillation of it, because what I liked about it was that in a way that it wasn't this kind of, yeah, you didn't know. And then it was sort of not way of seeking maybe these things that was not very specified within a certain mm -hmm. modality so it gave I feel it gave me a lot of freedom and also maybe them a lot of freedom in a mm -hmm. way and then the moments where something like that would happen felt really special something something like what would happen like something where somebody would have this breakthrough moment or, or I would like what you said about this which I think is similar to what you said about this tantra masseuse guy because maybe if you're like okay we're going to work on your sexual issues and then something happens then it's sort of like okay yeah you're, you're coming to see a doctor and this happened right but then when someone's coming to see you and just you being there and offering this space offers this channel to wrap him in cling film for me that's the beauty of sex work that's like the divine mm. thing in it for me mm. this kind of moment at a at like a seedy club where you where somebody gets this mm. glimpse into themselves mm. actually that's the thing i found a little bit difficult about doing the tantra mm. massage was that people often came for a reason but they wouldn't tell me what the reason was yeah because they didn't <laughs> talk or they didn't yeah. want to talk. And of course we would talk before the session. I don't know, it was very rare that somebody would really come and offer to me really what's going on with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most of it was, oh, I just need to relax, need to let go, you know? Yeah. Which is, uh, which is totally valid. And I'm sure yeah. that for about 5% of them, that was actually yeah, what they wanted. <laughs> but, but behind that is other stuff going on. And what I, what I love about working with these topics of intimacy and and uh, and body and and being able to talk about it to have the time to actually talk about it with people is that you actually get to have you get yeah. the opportunity to look a little bit more into that's that so interesting because maybe that's for me i'm just thinking about why i run from every like tantra workshop or any <laughs> sex workshop maybe for me i really thrive in these unspoken zones right. and I don't think it's because I love analyzing and speaking everything to death after the fact but maybe something in me kind of finds I don't know something poetic in this to you me. know the guy who comes to me and can't talk about it but then yeah we end up in some bizarre scene this is what I like yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that should be totally I, I, I love supporting that as yeah. well. That's exactly what I mean with this idea of opacity. Like there's yeah. this part of it that you cannot understand that is unspeakable or unspoken. Yeah. Yeah. And that also needs to be able to exist in there. Yeah, yeah I think both are super important. It's useful to 
to leave something just as like what you were saying in our last episode about okay this this illicitness of cheating just really turned me on mm. you can't really pick that down and get inside it and inhabit it you can't do that in a workshop you know but then at the same time i think it's so valuable to be able to have these conversations and learn these skills and practice things and view sexuality as something that can also be practiced and learned so and i think it's really important to um understand a little bit where we're coming from i mean like this whole wave of workshops and sex education you know this is so this is the last 20 years it didn't exist before it wasn't even a thing. We're talking it's like the third wave of the sexual revolution, you know, if you think about the first one being uh at the turn of the 20th century and the second one being like 1968, you mm -hmm. know, like um mm -hmm. and we're in this kind of third wave now, which well, and one I, of the characteristics of the third wave. Well, I well, and I think it's a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit dangerous because the third wave is like there's a way of getting it right. Mm -hmm. There's a way of being really good. Mhm. Mm and i think this is a little pernicious this is a this is a slightly dangerous idea that somebody somewhere knows better than you and this i would always There's challenge people on youtube who can show you how to make <laughs> someone squat like exactly. 25 times exactly <laughs> i think it's also the danger in something where everything is so I don't know of just living in the time that we live in of like uh, late capitalism or whatever that, mm -hmm. that everything has the potential to be marketed and kind of ugh, invaded and made devoid of meaning and I think that can also happen to sex too. I think with something like the, this topic let's let's try and call it like this sex education kind of thing mm. like I think it's really good it's really good that we talk about it. Like let's remember that yeah. I don't know how many years ago but this was not even possible for sure so this is a this is different this changed and i think that it's good i think that it's really good that we now embrace and talk about topics that can create shame or have created shame because shame can lead to to aggression can lead to harm can lead to anger so this i think is also really good and i think it's also really good to have more information like to know that the clitoris is not just this tiny little bubble um that the joke is that nobody can find but to understand that it's like connected up inside of your size of a pear <laughs> so, and that it grows <laughs> as you age so it's only getting better oh really like your nose and your ears not not eternally i don't actually even after you die <laughs> the earth is just many extending clitorises <laughs> all interlocking together <laughs> but so i think these parts of it are, are really good but i'm really not one for taking everything out of the box and like looking under looking at it under a microscope i don't even think that that's possible if i go yeah. back to this idea of like the mysterious and opaque nature of sexuality i think that there are meant there are parts that are meant to be hidden and there are parts of our experience which are just indescribable to understand yeah. and that is important to to for us as human being i th i think it's important for us as human beings to hold that and not to try and demystify and freudianize and blah everything Oof. so well said now that you're here i have to ask how much of tantric sex tantric workshops with couples are boiled down to just slow down just take your time stop fucking in two minutes you know it's not good enough she's not enjoying it or whatever the combination however the genders are you know just slow down take your time stop being selfish how much of a tantric sex 
boils down to this because this is my suspicion this is such a huge question to come out with at the right at the end of the podcast (laughs) when we're supposed to be stopping now maybe maybe we could put something (laughs) in the show notes but maybe we should have a session maybe we should have a session in Tantri and maybe we can get uh, Rebecca to come back thank you very much Becca that was really illuminating and exciting to talk through all these things I I hope I've done sexological bodywork and tantra massage justice because like no but it's super interesting to talk about the way this interlocks with civilian perspectives perspectives on sex and also sex work in general and all of these different frames I find it super super fascinating learning about sex absolutely it was amazing thank you so much so everyone out there have a good evening Uh, write to us with any thoughts that you have about sexual learning speaking to partners communication around this stuff experiences that you've had we're always really curious to hear from you and what you think so get in touch and we'll see you next time Bye. Bye. You've just been listening to Crude. If you'd like to join the conversation, follow us on Insta, crude underscore podcast, C-R-U-D-E underscore podcast, or email us on crude.berlin at gmail.com. 